Okay, so Paul says in this chapter, he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord and your love for all of God's people. I mean, that's the call of the Christian, isn't it? To have faith in God and to love one another. That's our job description. I believe in you and faith is going to work through love, to quote in what he says in Galatians. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is evoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Wow. <laughs> Take a breath. <laughs> it's great when you hear Paul pray. I mean, this is an insight into Paul's priority. And remember the disciples, they once asked Jesus, teach us to, teach us to pray. We want to pray like you pray. And he says, I'll teach you. My heart is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be his name, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we see here Paul's priority in prayer. You know, we would just love to be alongside the Apostle Paul, wouldn't we, and say, disciple me, train me, I want to catch your heart, I want to, I want to catch how you do things, I want to catch how your heart beats, I want to catch how you live this apostolic mission to see heaven come to earth, how you plant churches and transform cities. Teach us, Paul. I want to be alongside you. And then we see Paul's prayer life. And we think, ah, now I get it. Paul's priority is seen here in prayer. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. Amen. If you pray for somebody and you don't know what to pray, pray, I pray for a spirit the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, would give wisdom and revelation that they might know you better. Yeah. You want to pray for us as leaders. You, what can I pray? Pray that they might have the Holy Spirit and might have a spirit of wisdom and revelation that they might know him better. Pray this for yourself. If you've got a constant prayer for yourself, I must have the Holy Spirit. I must have the spirit of wisdom and revelation because I want to know him better. Yeah. And if you're, if you're sitting here thinking, actually, I'm a little bit bored with my Christianity, then you need to pray this prayer for yourself. I must have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, because I must know him better. This must be the constant prayer of our hearts. We must never settle for just mere intellectual knowledge about God. Because it says here, that we might know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he has called you. We mustn't settle for the traditions, Amen. going through the motions, Amen. with no expectation. Waking up in the morning and we 
don't really expect anything of our prayer or our Bible reading or anything. We're just going through the motions. It's what we do. And then on Sunday we wake up and say, I'm going to church because that's what I've always done. But I'm not really expecting anything. We've got to always be praying. I must have a spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation because I really need to know him better. I must know him better. I must know him better. And Paul says here that it's something that we ask God for. That knowing God better is not about trying harder. It's not about working ourselves up for God to notice. I'm really working hard for you, God. I'm really, really trying hard for you, God. I'm doing all the stuff. It's not about performing. That Paul is asking that there be a revelation that comes as a gift. He answers according to his grace, not according to our performance. He answers according to the fact that he is good. It says in chapter 2, but God, because of his mercy, because of his love, because of his grace, made us alive in Christ. It's not by work so that no one can boast. This is a gift of God. If you want to know God better, you need the Holy Spirit. Paul says it's the Holy Spirit who gives this revelation. You actually can't know God without the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a grace gift from God. It's the Holy Spirit who gives intimacy. It's the Holy Spirit who gives connection. It's the Holy Spirit who opens the eyes of our hearts. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit who gives us an emotional engagement with God. It doesn't settle for just intellectualism, mental assent, agreeing with things that don't move us. There's someone putting a conference on, and the conference is called, actually it's a retreat, and the retreat is called, it's the 18-inch retreat. And I guess it's the measurement, apparently, from the head to the heart. <laughs> and the whole idea is that what's in our heads about God might travel the, however many centimetres that is, from the head to our heart. <laughs> that it might make an 18-inch journey and drop. Because <laughs> there's something different about I know it, and I know it. It's something different. In fact, the, the word gnosis or knowing is a, is a word of experiential knowing. Yeah. It's a, it's a, someone said, uh, I remember listening to this preached by Rob Rufus in China, and he talks about in this verse the photismo of the spirit, the flash of illumination, <laughs> where we get the word photograph from, from the Greek word photismo. It's a flash, a spirit of revelation, a, a knowing, a flash of illumination in our heart that we know it. And I think that's what happened to those early believers. They were with Jesus, those 12, those 72, that initial bunch. And I, and I think they kind of knew it. But then on Pentecost, they knew it. Because <laughs> they went from Peter, terrified of the slave girl, to Peter. Let me tell you about what's happening today. <laughs> And the only way you can understand that is, Acts 1-6, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. 
The only way you can understand the early church and their impact into the world is the coming of the Spirit who gives wisdom and gives revelation. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you on your own. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the Spirit who will lead you into all truth. And Jesus says, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. In other words, when you have a gnosis of the truth, an experiential flash of illumination of the truth, the truth sets you free. You're not free when you just say, I know it intellectually, I, I can't believe it, but what I really believe is I'm on my own. What you need is a revelation, I'm not an orphan, I'm not on my own. You need a spirit of wisdom, you need a spirit of revelation, so that you can see and enjoy God. And that's why he says, I'm constantly praying this, and I'm sure Paul was constantly praying it both for himself and the churches that he was planting. I want you to know a spirit of wisdom and revelation, because you need to know him better. It's the Holy Spirit who awakens and transforms so that we can see and enjoy God. So God would just say to any of you who live your lives like a hamster on a wheel, <laughs> going around and around and around and around, just thinking, I'm, I, somehow, if I go around fast enough, I'm going to get somewhere. He just says, get off the wheel and ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You need a gift. You, you need a gift. You need not to be trying harder. You need to receive the gift of the Spirit. And Paul says in Ephesians, go on being filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk on wine. Present continuous tense. Go on being filled with the Spirit. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because there's always more of God to have. Sometimes we say, how are we going to change our family? How are we going to change our household? How are we going to change our office? How are we going to change our area? How are we going to transform Plumstead? The answer is the same answer that Jesus gave to the early church. Don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes. And so we're not waiting for a visitation because we've had a visitation and it was 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost when God fulfilled the promise to Joel, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now we're living in the fulfilment of the promise of Joel. We're in that now. We're not waiting for a visitational moment. And dare I say, we're not even waiting for revival. <laughs> As our good friend Pete Carter said on Wednesday, I'm not waiting for revival. I'm having revival. Yeah. I am revival. <laughs> I'm not waiting for a visitation of God. I'm not waiting until, until there's a moment. I'm saying the moment's now, and I'm having it now. And I'm not saying there isn't revival, because clearly throughout church history, there have been incredible moments of visitation where hundreds get ushered into the kingdom. But I do believe you can bring in things just by, by faith. Amen. And you can say, I can have it. I can have it because something got kicked off at Pentecost. I can have it now. Yeah. Revival got kicked off at Pentecost. They suddenly, there was a sound. Tongues of fire. Gift of tongues, power, bold proclamation of the gospel, 3,000 saved and added, meeting in the temple courts, God adding to their number daily those who are being saved. The Spirit came, the Holy Spirit came, and something broke out into Jerusalem. Persecution came, the church were scattered, 
and great joy breaks out in Samaria as Philip preaches the gospel there. (laughs) We can be those kind of people. You can be that kind of man. You can be that kind of woman. You really can. Because it's the Holy Spirit who qualifies you. It's the Holy Spirit who makes it possible. And he says, May the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in, the holy, in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Let me say, hopelessness and powerlessness are both relational issues. Hopelessness and feeling powerless are both answered through relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. If you're feeling hopeless, you need a connection to the God of all hope. If you're feeling powerless and a victim and unable to be all that you feel stirred to be, you need the Holy Spirit. You have to be filled with the God of all hope and the God of all power. So sometimes we think that our, to overcome hopelessness and powerlessness is that we have to try harder and grit our teeth a little bit more and become a bit more stoical and have white knuckles. We're going to do it. And then we get tired and worn out and disappointed because we failed to hear the verse that Jesus said, um, since you can do nothing, how much help do you need? <laughs> Oh, we need to hear that. We can't do anything. Yes. We can't. Church, we can't. We, we might be able to put on a meeting. Yeah. We can't change a whole world. And that's our commission. Go into all the earth and make disciples. Tell them about what I taught you and baptise them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm with you to the very ends of the age. That's our commission transformation of the world I can't do that can you I can't even change myself (laughs) the whole Old Testament was that proclamation of the law is you can't do it you can't do it the law is the MRI scan the MOT on the heart that says you can't do it and since you can't do it you need a saviour Powerlessness and hopelessness are relational issues. But when we get filled with the God of all hope, as we heard pray this morning, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit, getting filled with God's hope, God's peace, God's joy. The fruit of the Spirit are manifestations of the person of God rubbing off on us because of the work of the Holy Spirit and keeping in step and sowing to and walking by the Spirit. They're not our January the 1st, New Year's resolution, I'm going to be more joyful or more peaceful. They're all of them, all at the same time, because God is all of those things, all the time, every day, in every way. We can be filled with hope, which is a confident expectation that good is coming. Amen. 
biblical hope. Good is coming. He's going to work it together for good. He's going to do something amazing in this. He's going to knit it together in such a beautiful way. Good is going to come from it. And it's not a personality trait. It's a connection issue to who we're connected to and who we're being filled by. Some people look naturally more hopeful because that's their personality. I'm talking supernatural hope. I'm talking about uh, if you put me, if I do, if I do an online personality trait thing, I come out 97% melancholic. In other words, that's the Eeyore anointing, right? Any of you like Winnie the Pooh? I, I, I could just be Eeyore. Do you remember Eeyore? Everything he saw was just a rainy day. <laughs> it won't work. <laughs> the Eeyore anointing. <laughs> I don't think that was what I was meant to be. <laughs> Steve Backlund talks about the Tigger anointing. Boring and bouncy and hopeful and joyful and expecting. I want the Tigger anointing. I want to walk down Plumstead High Street and say he can come to this area and he can change it and he can do things and he can heal people, he can change lives, he can ignite hope, he can bring transformation, he can turn the whole area upside down. And and I'm just going to celebrate everything. I'm not going to wait until it looks a certain way before I start to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate the lady who got a council flat and she says it's the best she's ever had. I'm just going to celebrate that. I'm not waiting until there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories. I'm going to celebrate right now what he's doing. Whether it looks like a grain of mustard and it doesn't look very significant. I'm going to celebrate that. Because yes. I just believe that we get locked in these boxes of, yeah, you, you, the online test says you're a melancholic Eeyore, Jamie, and that's all you'll ever be. And the Bible says be transformed by changing the way you think. Be metamorphosized, be radically turned around because you can think about yourself as God thinks about you. And you can learn to see things differently. You're not in a box. You're not in a box. The God of all hope can come to you and you can have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You can know hope and power. No, you're not in a box. A limited box that says you'll always be that kind of person. You'll always be the person who flies off the handle. You'll always be the Eeyore. (laughs) You'll always be the weak one. You're just shy. You don't have any self-discipline. Paul would say, no, no, I'm going to pray for you because I want you to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation so you might know him better, so the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, so that you might know the hope to which he's called you, and you might know his incomparably great power for us who believe. Mm. Wow. Power that you can't even compare to anything. It gives us a hint and a clue, and he says it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Resurrection power. Power that came into the hopelessness of that tomb and raised Christ up and gave him 
new life. That's the power. Let's stop, even ponder that. We walk around with incomparably great power for us who believe. Wow. When you walk into your family, into your situation, into your life, I'm walking around with incomparably great power. That's what I, I think. I, I'm, see, I'm not disparaging the desire for a visitation of God that's revival. But what happens if in our generation we started to believe that we had incomparably great power in us? I was outside Nando's yesterday and it said, the chicken, which came first, the chicken or the egg? We're undecided. Is it possible? That at the seed of every revival has been a bunch of people who just started to believe. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Who, who just got a whiff of heaven and, a, and an understanding of actually this is who we really are. Mm. That we've got incomparably great power in us. Yes. Mm. I want to finish with this really. We must be fully persuaded and convinced that the Holy Spirit is the absolute key to both our own lives, our circumstances, the people around us and our community. We have to be fully convinced, otherwise it's really hard to pray that power. I keep praying for this prayer that Paul prays. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because if we believe that the answer is more resources, a better building, more people, more leaders, more money, a different personality, different circumstances, different opportunities, then that will be the prayer that we keep praying. And I think all those things are God-given gifts and they're fantastic and magnificent. But our first and greatest thing is to be fully persuaded that we need the Spirit of God. You can't even squeeze out one apple by trying really hard. An apple tree bears apples because it basks in the sun and it drinks in the water through its roots. Holy Spirit can get more done in one hour than we could of 25 years of grunting and trying. He can change us quicker in a moment than we could change ourselves in a lifetime by behaviour modification and white-knuckling it. Can I suggest that the greatest use of our time is to waste our time with the Holy Spirit. To be with Him. To read the Bible with Him. To say, Spirit, lead me into all truth. Open the eyes of my heart. As I'm reading these verses, let me believe them. Let me mix them with faith. May I be transformed by them. Just being with him. We mustn't try and finish by the flesh what was begun by the spirit. That's what Paul says to the Galatians. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus was crucified. And now you're trying to finish by means of the flesh what was begun by the Spirit. 
got to lean into him and say, you saved me as a revelation. You, you, you gave me a revelation of Jesus so that I could become a Christian. You put a desire in my heart that I could love Jesus. And you're changing me from one degree of glory by yourself as well as I behold you. So our lives then are this walk, so keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Live your lives to keep with him, keep close with him, to obey him. Paul says if you walk by the Spirit, you don't need the law because you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. He is our first and greatest need. Can I just invite us to stand as we finish off this morning? two ways I think to really grow in encountering Holy Spirit and one of them is to be really 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 thankful to be super thankful for everything he's begun and everything he's begun to do in your life to be thankful that he revealed Jesus to you, to be thankful for all the work he's brought about in your life to be thankful for the revelation that he's already given you to be thankful for the wisdom that he's already given you, to be thankful for the hope that you already have And to be thankful for his incomparably great power that you've already begun to taste of. And then to be hungry and say, there's always more. (laughs) There's always more. Because you're infinite and you are eternal and we'll never get the end to you, God. We'll be with you forever and we'll never come to the place where we've exhausted who you are. So we're coming now. Jesus said that if you ask, if your kids ask you for a gift, you give a good gift to them. How much more will your Father in Heaven, when you ask for the Holy Spirit, give you the Holy Spirit? Yes. And so we can ask. Yes. And, and, and sometimes when we receive the Holy Spirit, we, we feel it in our bodies and we, there's a, maybe a, a manifestation, like if you put your fingers in electricity in a socket, there's a reaction. And sometimes there isn't, but we, we receive by faith. We receive because we know that he's good and we know that when we ask, we get what we ask for. That he's not going to give us a scorpion or a snake. We're asking for the Spirit. <laughs> so we just now invite you to come Holy Spirit. We say we're hungry for you. We're hungry for you, God. We're thankful.